What is up, everybody? Back again, another fan section episode previewing the week coming ahead. Real quick before we get into it, I want to say thank you so much to all our listeners. Um, me and Tyson are just deeply, deeply grateful for all the love and support we've gotten up to this point. Um, thank you so much. We're, it's been a lot of fun, not going to lie. Continuing to do this for you guys. Um, and like I said, getting a bunch of love and support has been amazing. Uh, but real quick, this is the Fan Section Podcast brought to you for fans, by fans from across the college landscape. Section 100, Section 300, Bleachers Down to the Suites. Welcome, everybody. It's two dudes talking college, dropping knowledge. Um, I am flying solo this week uh, doing the previews. Uh, you've, I'm, I hope you heard Tyson's amazing um, recaps on the conference realignment, coaches being fired, um, his his actual like recap of the week as well, and then his short talking a little bit about the Heisman. So um, real quick, the preview of this week or this – the, the point of this podcast, not preview, is actually is the preview. So let me start that over. The point of this podcast is the preview of week eight because I'm going to highlight about five games um, that I think have end of season impact, implications. And I've said this a couple times before. Um, it's better to lose early in the season versus late, but that's now is late, right? You can't lose any more games at this point and expect to be in the college football playoff. It's just not going to happen. Um, we talked about the rankings. You guys all know, if you listen to the podcast, where the rankings are, um, which is fine. If you don't just Google it because it's chaos is what it is. Um, and I'm sure everybody disagrees with everything. Um, but this week we'll definitely separate one through six for sure. Um, now, I don't want to dive into all the games, and, uh, and I'm not trying to be like the mainstream media, media or anything like that and just only highlight certain teams, but this, I'm only going to do these five games because these five games set up, like I said, the end of the year potential for um, the playoffs, honestly, uh, and they also set up the their respected conferences, and it's pretty Big Ten heavy, as you can probably guess, which is fine, so... Real quick, I'm going to just dive into it. So Georgia versus Florida, the world's biggest, large, or world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Some people might be offended. I don't know why you would be offended. It, that's what it's called. That's the So take politics out of sports. Please stop doing it. I, just, I can't fucking stand it. This, you need to stop being offensive. The world's largest cocktail party is not offensive. That's literally them cooking shrimp. That's the point of it. That's that's how it started. It's always in Jacksonville, Florida. It's always going to be in Jacksonville, Florida. Get the fuck over it. So now that I've said that little, I'm going to get off my soapbox. Georgia versus Florida. One versus – I don't even care what Florida's ranked because I hate them. So the point is – but I'm going to talk good about them today. This game is obviously Georgia's favorite by like to win this game by 14. They have been. They also have an 80% chance to win this game. I'm not – I don't see that. It should, might as well be 100% chance. I don't see because Georgia knows what Florida did to them last year when they had Kyle Trask. Also, but, 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 Florida nearly beat Bama this year. So it's almost like we all know that Florida's going to get up for this game. We all know Georgia's going to get up for this game. It's a rivalry game. That's what you do. These two teams absolutely fucking hate each other. There is no love between these two teams. Like, honestly, there are stories of recruits going from, from Georgia and then they go to Florida and they, they get, like, shunned. Like, they get, like, by the team. They're just like, oh, well, if you're considering Georgia, don't come here. Like, and vice versa for Florida. Um, 
unless you're the defensive back that just decommitted from Florida State and now you're potentially going to go to Georgia. So, but the point is, they these two teams and, and they hate getting recruits stolen from them. Will Mullen and Kirby Smart, they can be friendly off the on screen, but I think off screen, I really don't think they like each other. Dan Mullen says some pretty rude things um, about Kirby Smart, and Kirby Smart, he's actually never said a bad thing about him, but well, that's Will Mullen. That's what he does. Um, but he got him back by hiring Will Muschamp as a defense coordinator. So Muschamp is going to tell him every single thing that Florida does well, and they're going to be able to stop it. So that's why I'm saying the advantage is definitely Georgia, not only because they're the best team in the, in the country. It's just that based on what Florida did to Georgia last year by running up the score at the end of it, don't think that Georgia forgot about that. So if you're Florida – this is a this is a game where you really hope that Georgia doesn't come out and like punch you in the mouth real quick, um, which is what I fully expect Georgia to do. JT Daniels is healthy. Justin Bennett is healthy. Both quarterbacks are gonna actually split time. Don't ask me how that works because I don't have a clue. I don't think it's I don't think it's prudent. But in the college in college, that's the only system in the world where you can run a two quarterback system. It's college. Um, they run the triple option for Christ's sake. There's a lot of crazy offenses that you see. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's what just the rumors down the street that both Stetson and JT will play. They'll probably split series until one of them makes a mistake and then it'll be the other quarterback until that quarterback makes a mistake. So, um, personally, I'm not a fan of that. I think JT Daniels is leaps and bounds better than Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels needs to be the reason why Georgia beats Florida. And then you can end the debate forever and ever because JT Daniels will fully be healthy moving forward, potentially into the playoffs and hopefully on a run to a national title. So, but standing in their way is this is the biggest game of the year remaining on their schedule outside of Georgia tech. Who's actually pretty way more improved, but Georgia's going to roll that team. It's, it's not a question. So Florida has a very, very good offense when led by Richardson. If Emory Jones starts, I'm not as concerned. But I do believe at some point in this in, in this game, we're going to see both quarterbacks. So there's going to be four quarterbacks that potentially play this game, which is nuts. Like, that's not normal. You know what I mean? Unless one of them get hurt. No, it's going to be on purpose. So... I just I just don't understand why Florida hasn't made the switch. And I was telling I was joking with some of my friends um, uh, that actually happens to be a Florida fan. I was like, if Emory Jones can just start until after next week, that'd be great. You know what I mean? Because then I would sleep better on on Saturday night because my dogs won. So, uh, but yeah, the that that's gonna be a big game. Georgia can take a loss, okay, and they'll probably fall to four. So. Obviously, huge college ranking implications if Georgia does take the loss. I don't want them to take the loss, but at, at this point, they have a better room. If Georgia wins this week and then wins next week, they clinch their ticket to the SEC championship game no matter what because they'll know all the tiebreaker over Kentucky. Or if Kentucky takes a loss, Georgia wins this week and next week, then they clinch. So that's basically how it's going to work because um, then there will only be one SEC game left on the schedule. Now, Having talked a little bit about Georgia-Florida, I'm going to talk about the next rivalry game. It's pretty much rivalry week. Week 8, week 9, and then I think week – I think it's week 11. Um, but Michigan versus Michigan State. This game is fucking huge for both teams. Both teams are undefeated. Both teams understand that a loss takes them out of the playoff. Both teams understand that this win will jump them into the – if they're not already in the top five because Michigan is – is actually at uh, in the top five, but this this gets 
them in the top four. This win will get one of them in the top four, guaranteed, because I actually have a feeling the committee is going to kick out Cincinnati, which kind of sucks. But make no mistake, this is another game game where these two teams fucking hate each other. Like, they, they do not talk. They do not. There's been families broken up by this rivalry. <laughs> like, literally. Like, there's stories online about it. It's insane. Um, so... But rightfully so. It's Michigan, Michigan State. It, these, it's not just a basketball rivalry anymore. It's a football rivalry. And Michigan is finally on back with being one of the most complete teams. And I've talked about this plenty of times. Who is Michigan State? That's what we're going to find out. We're going to find out how that O-line stacks up against Aiden Hutchinson. We're going to find out how that offense stacks up against the two running backs that Michigan have. And also the young the young freshman, I almost said rookie, but the young freshman quarterback in Edwards, or running back in Edwards. Can Michigan throw the ball downfield on Michigan State? Mel Tucker has a very, very good defensive mind. He's a very good defense coordinator. He's a former D coordinator at Georgia. Then he gave CU the shaft and came over to Michigan State with all of his assistants and all of his recruits. This is his team. He built this team. They're playing really, really well. Like, I'm, I'm actually impressed. I did not see this happening out of his – Honestly, his first year at Michigan State, I really didn't. Um, but the fact that they're both here, he's got them there. I think Michigan, I'm going to take Michigan in this game. I, I just think that they're a little bit more polished and they're a little bit more disciplined. And they're honestly just a little bit better in the skill positions at wide receiver and running back as well. I don't know how they – both quarterbacks for me are even – um, but yeah, it's going to be a great game. It could potentially be one of those games. that's like 17, 14, or maybe a 10, 10 game going into the, going into overtime. Honestly, like it could be a defensive shootout when both teams can't really get the ball. Um, both teams like to run the ball. They like to establish the run. You saw what Michigan did against Wisconsin. I just think that, um, Michigan gets the edge here for me. Um, and then moving on, speaking of Wisconsin, Iowa versus Wisconsin, um, this game, it's going to be big boy against big boy, honestly. Iowa's a big, bunch of big boys on that D-lineman. Wisconsin has a bunch of really good D-linemen. Um, it's going to come down to how well can Iowa protect their quarterback, how well can Wisconsin actually run the ball. We know they like to establish a run early. We know that they love to um, control the line of scrimmage and clock. And, and, and honestly, they, they like to have the time of possession in their favor every game. So... Really not much more to say than that, you know what I mean, as far as Iowa. I really want to see Iowa start utilizing their tight ends more, I think. Um, they're known to kind of be tight end you, and really their tight ends haven't produced this year. So it's kind of under – it's they're just underwhelming in that category. Um, and then as far as Ole Miss and Auburn, that's the game that Matt Corral – so this game can – this game, I said in the beginning, this kind of sets up the conference, right? So Ole Miss versus Auburn. So how the scenario plays out in the west side of the SEC is Bama right now is at top, on top. Bama beat Ole Miss. They haven't played Auburn yet. Um, so if Auburn beats Ole Miss, then Ole Miss is the, their their shot at the SEC championship game is out. Um, so what Ole Miss needs to do is beat Auburn. And hope that Bama takes another loss because then they punch their ticket to this automatically to the SEC championship game. If Auburn wins this game and then beats Bama, they get a rematch against Georgia, and that would be the basically 2017 all over again. And the hardest thing to do in sports, in college football sports or college 
in college football and honestly at the NFL level is beat a team twice in the same year. It's very, very hard to do because the first game you play, especially in college, you're expecting one and done. You show them all your tricks. There's nothing that you can take out. You know what I mean? Like the, you give them everything to break down. Um, and I think Auburn by then, I honestly am expecting Auburn to be in the SC championship game. I think Auburn beats Ole Miss this week. Um, and I, because I think Bo Nix, it's not that Bo Nix is better than Matt Corral. No, as, as you listen to the last uh, preview or the last short, Matt Corral is number one quarterback for me on my list. Uh, Bo Nix is the most improved quarterback on that list. If he's able to slow the game down like he's been working on, not getting his quick feet, not becoming a squirrel in a candy shop, understanding what the defense is giving him, basically becoming Matt Corral and plays the game with his head on fire, Auburn rolls. Auburn beats because they have a better defense. Now, do I expect that to happen? No, I really don't. But I also know that Ole Miss doesn't have a very good defense. So I'm expecting a high-scoring game. I'm thinking 30 points by each team. Like, you got to drop 30. Um, and you're also playing for the eye test because if whoever wins this game – and say Bama takes the loss if you're Ole Miss versus it, you know takes another loss, which is what both of these teams need Bama to do because one will beat them, the other one is hoping that they lose. Um, you're in the SC title game. If you want to get in the playoff after beating Georgia, which you'll you'll likely be in, um, but you also need to kind of win the eye test for seeding at that point. Um, so yeah, that's it's a very very exciting game. Um, if you're definitely a fan of the SEC West. Uh, if you're not, if you're not a fan of the SEC East, you're kind of like, okay, who are we gonna play? You know what I mean? Because Georgia doesn't care. Like they're gonna play everybody. Um, they're down to play everybody. Just strap it up and let's go. But you kind of want to know who you're playing, um, and that will be determined after this week for sure. Moving on, we have Ohio State versus Penn State. This is a very exciting game. If you're a Big Ten fan, because Ohio State is still in the mix. Like crazy as it sounds, they've been. Really, really winning the eye test for a lot of people, and they've been—they actually got up to five um, in the AP, AP rankings. Penn State fell out of glory after that horrible loss to Iowa, and then Iowa kind of fell out as after their loss too. So, if Penn State wants to get back into the top ten and potentially even the top six by season ends, they need to beat Ohio State handily. Like they can't blame their not having a quarterback and all that fun stuff for taking loss because honestly, Penn State is really. Outside of they beat everybody outside, so this I was really hoping this was going to be an undefeated game because um, this would have set up another incredible playoff implication. But it still has playoff implications. Like this game is still insane as far as the playoff committee goes. They're going to be watching these five games. Like don't don't kid yourselves, and you should too because that determines who's in the January six bowls. So. Ohio State, Penn State. I give the edge to Ohio State. I think they're deeper. They're starting to they're. Their chemistry is coming along. They're finally able to get into that system. And it's one of those things where I think it's kind of like Texas A&M. Like Calzada in that system the first week against Colorado, you know, honestly second quarter into that game, didn't really know the system. And as he's progressed in that system, he's learned, okay, these are the right reads. These are the wrong reads. Ohio State and C.J. Stroud are starting to do that a little bit more. Um, I still think his throwing motion is fucking weird. Like I, I just can't get over his – how odd his throwing motion is, but it works. Um, he does have a pretty decent arm. I kind of like that. I also like his ability to uh, trust in the line. Like he's stand, he's stood in the pocket quite a few times, 
at the very last second delivered a strike and taken the shot. And you love to see that as, you know what I mean? As a, as a scout, honestly, that's something that you, you like to see. Um, but yeah, so as far as the games go though, um, that have playoff implication, don't kid yourself. If Ohio State loses, they're out. Um, and, and rightfully so if Penn state wins, then we have a whole nother conversation that we got to dive into here pretty quick. But after covering these, that's that's the only preview I'm going to give because those are the only games that actually matter coming into the, the week of, of week eight. So without further ado, this has been the Fan Section Podcast. Preview week eight, honestly, preview week of five big games. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Alan, and I am out.